Well, today we're concluding our message series, uh, which was called The Way of Love. In this series, we've been looking at some of the Ten Commandments. We didn't hit all of them, but we've looked at a number of the Ten Commandments and saw how they apply to our lives today. And these commandments help us, give us guidance in loving God and loving our neighbor as ourselves. If you missed any of the messages, some people aren't aware of this. All the messages, uh, the videos of the messages are available on our website, uh, lifechurchstlouis.org, and you can, uh, you can watch them there. It also has the study guide notes uh, available for download as well. Today our last message is entitled, Respect Others. Now as I was preparing for this message, I, I thought it was an important message for us in today's world. Uh, it's easy to respect those who think exactly like us, but it's not so easy to show respect for people who disagree with us. And uh, we see a lot of disrespect in our world today, in our media. And as believers and followers of Jesus Christ, we have clear instructions how we should live according to God's word. And so when we as believers interact or observe others who are not living according to God's word, we are tempted not to respect them. Now, we may not respect a person's viewpoint, we may not respect their lifestyle, but yet we should always respect them as a person. James 1, verse 9 and 10 says, With it, speaking of our tongue, we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse people who are made in the image or likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing my brothers, these things ought not to be so. Now, James is writing to believers here. Uh, he's writing to us as well. And those believers in James' day, he was saying, you know, some of you are blessing God. That's good and right. But you're also cursing other people, most likely people who are doing wrong things or perhaps unbelievers. And James is saying we, we are not to curse. We are not to show disrespect for anyone. Why? Because everyone has been created in God's image. Everyone has been created in the likeness of God. So we need to show respect for each and every person. 1 Peter 3.15 puts it this way. He says, In your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you, yet do it with gentleness and respect. You might want to circle those words, gentleness and respect. And so this passage tells us how, as believers, we are to witness to unbelievers. When an unbeliever attacks our faith, uh, we're supposed to give a defense, but we are to do it in a certain way. We need to be able to answer back with the truth of God's word, but we are to do it with not anger, not disrespect, not harshness, but with gentleness and respect for the other person. You see, we're not simply seeking to win arguments. We're seeking to win people for Christ, to persuade the other person with the help of the Holy Spirit to ultimately become a believer. Jesus said, or the, the scripture says, we are to speak the truth in love. Now, Jesus also gave us the golden rule that helps us in our relationships with other people, whether they're saved or, or not saved. He said in Luke 6.31, as you wish that others would do to you, do so to them. 
And so we are to treat others not how they treat us, but how we would wish or like to be treated. In case we don't understand how that applies to people who are attacking us, a couple of verses later, Jesus says in verse 35, love your enemies and do good and lend, expecting nothing in return, and your reward will be great, and you will be sons of the Most High, for he is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. Be merciful, even as your Father is merciful. And so as believers, we are to show love for everyone, including our enemies, who might not be treating us so well, showing respect to each one. Now today we're going to look at some other aspects of respecting others according to God's way of love as we look at the Eighth Commandment. And so respecting others includes respecting others' property. Verse 15 of Exodus 20, you shall not steal, a simple four-word command, which is the basis of our message today. What is stealing? Stealing is it take something from somebody else uh, that is theirs without their permission. Uh, the most obvious application is taking material property. You know, I'm not to go steal somebody's car because I like it. Uh, but it could also refer to taking something intangible from another person, such as their good name or reputation. I might steal that from them by gossiping and saying negative, untrue things about them. That would also be a form of stealing. Oftentimes, breaking one of the commandments involves breaking several at the same time. And so if you steal something from someone, it frequently also involves lying or bearing false witness about what you have done. The commandment we looked at last Sunday, uh, saying do not commit adultery, is actually stealing. It's stealing somebody's spouse, taking them as your own, which often involves deception. So in order to respect others' property, we must be honest. Leviticus chapter 2, and we noted as we go through this series, the Ten Commandments, which are given for us, we're taking them from Exodus, are, and they're also repeated in Deuteronomy, are applied in specific cases. They're elaborated on in the other aspects or other passages in the books of Exodus, Leviticus, and Deuteronomy. And they are expansions telling us how the Ten Commandments deal with different situations in life. And so Leviticus 6.2 says, If anyone sins and commits a breach of faith against the Lord by deceiving his neighbor in a matter of deposit or security or through robbery, or if he has oppressed his neighbor. And it goes on after that. And so Leviticus 6 uh, expands on this commandment of not stealing. And it's... It says when someone sins in the matter of stealing, obviously robbery is stealing or deception, it's first and foremost sinning against the Lord. We think we're sinning against another person, and yes, we are, but we are sinning first and foremost against the Lord. And then secondly, we sin against our neighbor. It says regarding a deposit or security, uh, well, you could lie about uh, what you receive from someone, oh, I didn't receive the full deposit, I need some more, when you really had received the whole thing. Or maybe you say, I never received it at all. You demand more, you deceive another person to actually steal from them. Um, robbery or blatant stealing is, is often covered up by lying about it. Oppressing uh, a neighbor, there's other unnamed ways of taking things from somebody else through deception or oppression. 
Now, what are we to do if, if uh, we come to realize we've done this? We've broken the eighth commandment. Uh, Leviticus 5, verses 5 and 6 says what we are to do when we realize we've done something wrong. Well, there are two aspects. First of all, we should restore it in full and shall add a fifth to it and give it to him to whom it belongs on the day he realizes his guilt. And he shall bring to the priest as his compensation to the Lord a ram without blemish out of the flock or its equivalent for a guilt offering. And so first of all, when you realize you've taken something from someone, it needs to be restored, and then an additional penalty must be added or given back to the person that you've stolen from. You need to make restitution, restitution above what was stolen. And of course, that deals with our relationship with the other person involved, seeking to restore that relationship that has been damaged. Secondly, notice that a sacrifice must be offered to the Lord as a guilt offering, admitting one's sin and seeking God's forgiveness. It refers this to as, as compensation to the Lord. If you steal from somebody else, in essence, you, you're stealing from the Lord because that person has been made in God's image. So we must be honest in all of our dealings with other people. Now, of course, today we don't make sacrifices uh, animal sacrifices, but yet uh, we need to be forgiven by God. We need to make a restitution to somebody that we've harmed, and we need to restore our relationship with God by repentance. In dealing with our dealing honestly with other people, we ought, must also take responsibility. <clears throat> Exodus 22, verse 1, If a man steals an ox or a sheep and kills it or sells it, he shall repay five oxen for an ox and four sheep for a sheep. So here's a case where somebody steals a, a, an oxen, some livestock. He kills it, he sells it, he profits from it. In this case, he needs to make restitution not just of one ox, but five oxen uh, for the one that he took in order for there to be justice. Another case... And we're just looking at some of these. There are many more cases in the scripture. Verse 5, if a man causes a field or vineyard to be grazed over or lets his beast loose and it feeds in another man's field, he shall make restitution from the best in his own field and in his own vineyard. So in this case, somebody lets his cows eat grass or hay in another field. Perhaps he did it on purpose. Perhaps it was an accident. A fence broke down or something. Uh, either case, he must make restitution from the very best that he has to make up for what he stole or caused to be damaged in the other man's field. <clears throat> now, to my knowledge, we don't have any farmers here today. Any, am I mistaken? If anybody owns cows, raise your hand, because maybe this directly applies to you. But I don't think we have any farmers today. So how does this commandment deal with stealing? You know, when you look at the Eighth Commandment, I think most of our reaction is, well, I, I don't steal anything. You know, I, it's like that, that doesn't really apply to me. Let's look at a few scenarios that are closer to home uh, because perhaps, as with other commandments, we think, well, you know, obviously I wouldn't steal a car or something, but sometimes we overlook perhaps what we would consider a very small or insignificant case of stealing. Maybe God wants us to be a little more sensitive. 
So let's look at a few scenarios that might apply to us. Late one evening, a man named Jim, I don't think we have any Jims here today. If I, if hopefully, I think I'm doing this good, so I'm not picking on any person. Um, late one evening, Jim is examining a receipt uh, that he has. He ate at a restaurant for lunch that day. And as he looks at the receipt, he said he had a big dessert, but they didn't charge him for the dessert. Well, Jim figures, well, he could drop off the payment, go back to the restaurant, drop off the payment to them for the dessert he was not charged for. But, you know, it would really be out of his way, and he's really busy. He has a lot of things to do. After all, Jim reasons, it was their mistake, not mine. Is Jim right? Or is he stealing? I'll let you be the judge. Don, an administrative assistant at a law firm, occasionally takes inexpensive office supplies home from work with her. She reasons she rarely needs these things at home, and if she was to buy them, uh, she'd be wasting much of the quantity she buys personally. Besides, she's been a faithful employee for a number of years, and she really uh, deserves to be able to use some of these things. Is Dawn right? Or is she stealing? Paul. Paul does odd jobs around the neighborhood. He's usually paid in cash. When tax time comes, he doesn't claim the pa cash payments as income. He reasons that these were informal transactions between friendly neighbors. It would add hassle of doing his taxes if he claimed this income. And of course, it would raise his taxes. Is Paul right in his reasoning? Or is he stealing from the government on his taxes? Just some food for thought. And you know, there's many other things that we could come up with. But God wants us to respect others' property. He wants us to be honest above board in everything that we do and to take responsibility. We should engage in fair transactions. This has to do with business dealings involving money, but it also can apply in our relationships with other people. Exodus 22:25. If you lend money to any of my people with you who is poor, you shall not be like a money lender to him, and you shall not exact interest from him. Well, sometimes a poor person may need a loan to get by. In this command, in the surrounding verses, talk about having compassion on the poor as God does. And here we are not to charge interest on any monetary loans that we might make to a poor person who is, uh, in this case, of my people, or in our case would be uh, somebody who is in the family of God. Proverbs 19.17, we don't have it written out, says, whoever is generous to the poor lends to the Lord and he will repay him for his deed. And so God will take care of us as we seek to be fair in our dealings with people, if we seek to help those who are poor, not take advantage of them. We are to practice kindness. Deuteronomy 24:14, you shall not oppress a hired worker who is poor and needy, whether he is one of your brothers or one of the sojourners who is in your land within your towns. You shall give him his wages on the same day before the sun sets, for he is poor and counts on it, lest he cry against you to the Lord and you be guilty of sin. And so we ought not to oppress, but practice kindness towards people who are poor and needy. 
One way mentioned in these verses is to give the poor worker his wages the same day that he works because he's poor and he may need it right now, not two weeks from now. Now, all of these instructions really involve thinking about the condition of the poor person and putting ourselves in his shoes, which is really what the golden rule is all about, treating others as we would like to be treated if we were in the same situation, engaging in fair transactions. It also involves uh, assuring integrity. Verse 15 of Deuteronomy 25 says, A full and fair weight you shall have, a full and fair measure you shall have, that your days may be long in the land the Lord your God is giving you. For all who do such things, all who act dishonestly, are an abomination to the Lord your God. And so these instructions have to do with uh, doing business with integrity, but they have wider application. Uh, in business, if you're selling a certain kind of product, your weight should be accurate. Uh, if you're saying you're selling a pound, and the label says a pound, it shouldn't be a half a pound. Uh, that is, is, in fact, stealing from somebody. If you're covering up a dangerous side effect of your product, you're not doing business with integrity. If you're saying that you're going to do a certain job, you need to do it to the best of your ability. If you make a promise to somebody else, perhaps it's not even a business deal, but you promise to do something, a person of integrity will fulfill that promise uh, as you promised and not fudge corners or even break the promise. If you do your work, if you keep your promises with integrity, then God's blessing will be on your life and family. If you lack integrity, if you, if you act dishonestly, God uses pretty strong language here. He says it's going to be an abomination to the Lord. God sees everything that we do, and the result will be judgment. And so treating others fairly in life and business and work brings blessing on those who do so. Not only does it bring blessing to ourselves, but it brings glory to God. Because we claim to be Christians, we are Christians, and what we do impacts our own reputation, impacts the reputation of our church, impacts God's reputation. And so we want to bring honor and not dishonor. Not only must we have compassion on the poor and treat them fairly, God instructs believers to, to give to the poor. Now, there are many ways to give to the poor. The poor have two major types of needs, spiritual needs and material needs. The Bible speaks of meeting both, spiritual needs and material needs with compassion, not just one or the other. If we try to meet the spiritual needs and do nothing for the material needs, it's not biblical, nor is simply trying to meet material needs and not addressing the spiritual needs. Uh, we need to provide help for those who are poor among us. Deuteronomy 24, catch up here, Deuteronomy 24, 19. When you reap your harvest in your field and forget a sheaf in the field, you shall not go back to get it. It shall be for the sojourner, the fatherless, and the widow, that the Lord your God may bless you in all the work of your hands. As we're not farmers, uh, that doesn't directly apply to us, but indirectly, the principle of the verse is not to take everything you make and spend it on yourself. 
uh, take some of your profit, some of your earnings, and provide help for those in need. And here that's spoken of the traveler, the orphan, and the widow, uh, people who are in difficult circumstances. And the result of giving some of the fruit of your labor to help others is stated in the verse. God's going to bless you in the work that you do. You're not going to end up with less. You're going to end up with blessing. It's spoken of in Deuteronomy 15 as having an open hand. It says, for there will never cease to be poor in the land. Therefore, I command you, you shall open wide your hand to your brother, to the needy and to the poor in your land. So there we have it. And Jesus also stated the same thing. There's always going to be poor people. Uh, Poor people is not going to be eliminated until Jesus returns again. People who, for one reason or another are having difficulty in life, making ends meet. Now, sometimes people are poor because of their own poor choices, and sometimes people are poor through no fault of their own, simply through circumstances of life. And we are to have an open hand to those who are needy and poor. Now, how do we give responsibly to the poor according to God's word and avoid enabling people to continue to do things That result in poverty. On the lesson this morning, we were looking at 2 Thessalonians. And it seemed that in the Thessalonian church, there were a lot of people who were idle. And people who weren't working. Uh, They weren't doing anything. And they were expecting other people to feed them. And Paul's instruction was, if you don't work, you don't eat. Uh, And so there's a balance here. We don't want to enable people who could work and who are simply lazy. Uh, That's not what we are to do. God wants us to follow his leading and give to the poor with wisdom. So our church helps those who are obviously poor spiritually, poor in spirit, as Jesus would say, as we give our tithes and offerings Uh, and time and ministry to the church. We help others in a spiritual way. There's many other ways that we help people. We offer help through Thrive St. Louis to the unborn in different ways at risk of uh, the unborn, at risk of abortion, of losing their lives. Uh, We help the mothers so they have a way to care for these children. Uh, We give support to the material needs of the poor as we collect uh, donations for food through Circle of Concern, which we're doing this Sunday. If didn't realize what all those packages by the door is. That's food people are bringing, and it's taken to the circle of concern to help uh, people who are uh, poor in the uh, West County area. And they, they are careful to, uh, circle of concern, is we've had people on the board, they're careful to be sure not just to give to people who are kind of freeloading, uh, people who are, are really in a difficult situation, uh, which happens oftentimes through medical problems and, or lack of work or something like that. And ultimately for the people to get back to work, to get their, uh, get off that type of need. We offer support to those who are struggling with addictions of different ty- types through our living free. Our biggest contribution, at least monetarily, is through to missions. Uh, we give a lot of money to missions through all of your generous donations. Uh, both here in the United States, here in St. Louis, and around the world. 
in our missionaries, uh, they preach the gospel and they meet people's needs through compassion ministries. Uh, pretty much all the missionaries in their work does things to meet both people's physical needs and spiritual needs at the same time. And so when God reveals needs to us personally, we can also help others individually as well as we pray and seek God's wisdom. And as we do that, God blesses each one of us and he blesses our church family and he blesses the people that we help. So what is our whole message about today? It's about showing God's love to everyone around us, respecting them as people made in God's image. As we respect other people's property, we engage in fair business dealings, we give to the poor. What are we doing? We're showing people what God is like. That we're his children, we're doing the same thing that our Father does. God is a God of love, he's a God of compassion, he's a God of mercy. And as we continue to reach out to those in need and show them God's love, what will happen? Well, they will be drawn to know God themselves. They will be drawn to know the God that empowers us, the God that motivates us for themselves. And as we continue to reach out, God will bless us so that we can continue to be a blessing to others and continue to share his love. To become a child of God, to become a believer according to the Bible, uh, we need to admit that we've sinned. Admit, after we admit, we need to repent, turn away from that sin, put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, and commit our lives to following Him as Lord. So I want to give us an, an opportunity to pray this prayer if you've never prayed the prayer for the first time, or if you'd like to recommit your life this morning. So I'd like to ask everyone to bow your heads. We're going to pray. And you can just pray along with me in your mind. Perhaps if you feel like you've strayed away recently from walking with God, it might be a good time to recommit your life to Him this morning. Say something like this. Father, today I admit that I've sinned. And you can fill in that blank there about whatever God may be bringing to your heart. I ask for your forgiveness. I repent. I turn away from that sin. I, I don't want to sin against you and against the people that are made in your image. I believe that Jesus died on the cross that my sins might be forgiven. He paid the penalty for my sin. I asked him to come into my life, transform me. I commit my life to following Jesus, the risen Lord, as my Savior and my Lord from this day on. Help me to walk with him each and every day. And for those of us who are believers, let's pray as well. Father, we thank you for your commands that challenge us to grow in our obedience. Forgive us for the times that we've dismissed some of your commands and saying, well, I'm good on that one. I don't steal. Forgive us, God, and we pray that by your Holy Spirit you'd convict us of the little things, perhaps, that we, oh, that's nothing. Everybody does it. Help us to be convicted by your spirit, God, and to become people of honesty, people of integrity, even in the little things, God, 
so that the little things don't add up to big things at some point. Forgive us for the times when we haven't treated others with respect. And in essence, stolen from their position as someone created in your image. We haven't treated them like that. We pray that you'd help us to show your love, your compassion, your mercy to all those around us, especially in this election year where we may disagree strongly with some positions and some people. God, we know that we can't possibly meet every need that we are aware of. The poor will always be there. Help us not to be overwhelmed by the need, God, but simply trust you to show us what you want us to do, to do our part and do it in wisdom, to do it in balance, God. Not enabling people in their rebellion against you, but showing your love and compassion and, and showing them a way forward. We ask that as we share your love, that you will turn hearts towards yourself and bring people into your family. God, we pray that our church would be known as a place that meets people's needs through prayer and through action. We thank you for what you've enabled us to do in the past. We look forward to you using us to touch more lives in the future. God, today we pray for missionaries. JB is the initials. We can't say the name because it's a sensitive area. And his family who are ministering to the Muslims in North Africa, God. We pray for their protection. Uh, we pray for wisdom as they reach out to meet needs, to build relationships, to build bridges, to plant a church in the area that they're in. We pray, God, that uh, you give them the wisdom uh, and that the authorities uh, would not stop their work. Uh, we pray that you'd give them freedom to continue to, to spread the gospel there uh, in an undercover way that more and more people might be reached and turned from Islam to knowing Jesus Christ. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.